Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the Outsiders NFL podcast. Josh Frysam and Jesse Cornega here. And Jesse, holy crap, what a week. That was ridiculous. I don't think we've seen anything like this in a long time. If this is a, a sign of uh, where the NFL is headed in regards to free agency, it's going to be very, very exciting over the next couple of years. I mean, what a ride the NFL fans got taken on. Uh, this past week with not even just the trade or the the signings that happened but but it was the trades that really made this week uh, as big as it was for as long as I've been following football I don't think I've uh, seen a week this big ever uh, just simply with the magnitude of the trades that happened and there is like a 48 hour period where my phone just kept going off with just all of the signings and all the news that was breaking and then also with all the contract details of these signings it was it was just an amazing week to to say the least and uh, I've been clamoring to break this all down with you yeah we're in for a uh, exciting episode here it, uh, I'm looking forward to breaking off from our outlooks and just being able to talk about um, just the most relevant stuff in the NFL right now all the player movement that we got going on. Yeah, and like you said, it seemed like Ian Rappaport, Mike uh, Garofolo, we're just even Adam Schefter, a- Adam Schefter as well. I can't believe I, I left him out there. It seems like uh, they were my three uh, most contacted people the last week. I think I heard more from them than I did of my own family in the past uh, like seventy two hours. Yeah, and before we get into it here, just to put this week into perspective, I, I-, I tweeted earlier this week saying. Think about all of the speculation with Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers last last year and where Le'Veon Bell might end up, what, what could happen this week. All of the talk and the week finally comes and Le'Veon Bell isn't even the biggest news that happened this past week. That is just to put this week into perspective. Um, the trades were wild. So l- let's get into it. We're actually going to be tackling this alphabetically discussing uh, the signings from each team, maybe some of the notable subtractions from each team, and then we're also going to be breaking down a couple of the contracts. So let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. And Jesse, the Arizona Cardinals, who we have yet to break down their 2019, uh, they quietly made some really nice moves, specifically to upgrade that porous run defense from 2018. And they spent uh, $69 million total so far in free agency, beginning with 27-year-old middle linebacker Jordan Hicks uh, from Philadelphia. He immediately fills in at middle linebacker. Uh, He signed a four-year, $34 million contract. I have it reported as $36 million here, but it's essentially what it looks to be is roughly a three-year deal, um, $20 million guaranteed. And then that third year, probably uh, only like two to three million guaranteed, so he'll be eligible uh, to be uh, to be cut in that third year if he isn't performing. But this is just a great addition for the Arizona Cardinals. Like you said, their defense was porous last year, and this is in an immediate upgrade to that front cell, uh, front seven, um, giving them a field general who can help propel them, uh, propel their run defense to something respectable. Seeing as they ranked 29th in opponent yards per carry last year, allowing 4.9 yards per rush, which is is absolutely abysmal. Yeah, you're not winning games uh, with those kind of numbers. And another addition was 36-year-old outside linebacker Terrell Suggs. T-Sizzle, baby. He came from the Ravens, and I'm pr- I was pretty surprised to see him leave the Ravens. I thought that if he was going to come back, it was going to be maybe on for a one- or two-year deal to try and make a run here. 
Uh, but he's going back home to where he played college. Yeah, and like you said, 36, he signs a a, a two-year deal with them. Uh, or, sorry, a one-year deal. But, I mean, this is probably the last place he's going to play. And why not move out to Arizona and retire in the desert in the nice warm weather as opposed to Baltimore, Maryland? Yeah, and Terrell Suggs now makes a really nice tandem with Chandler Jones, who Chandler Jones is still really getting it done, and Terrell Suggs has proven as well that uh, he can still pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. A signing that they made that I really like, Jesse, was 30-year-old cornerback Robert Alford from uh, Atlanta. They got Patrick Peterson some help, and Robert Alford signed a three-year, $22.5 million contract. This guy's a really solid number two. He had 12 pass breakups in 2018, uh, ninth in the NFL in that category. Jesse, before we go any further with uh, these signings, what I wanted to do was use uh, Alfred's contract with the Cardinals as an, as an example to really educate uh, the listeners here on NFL financials. I, I've learned through listening to uh, SpotTracks podcasts and spending countless hours on their website that there's a lot of fluff in NFL contracts, uh, specifically in the later years of their contracts. So people need to understand that very rarely in the NFL do NFL players uh, actually play through the entirety of their contract they sign. So whether it's because they got released or uh, they hold out for a new contract, they rarely make it to the end. And Alfred's contract is a great example to use because guaranteed money is what people need to focus on with any contract. This is what NFL players want, money in hand at signing, so that they don't need to worry about their financial situation should they get injured. Uh, And this is exactly why Le'Veon Bell held out from Pittsburgh last year and signed with the Jets. So on paper, Alford's contract is a three-year, $22.5 million contract. Now, he received $9 million at signing, fully guaranteed, and he receives this in his first year. So this contract is actually a one-year, $9 million prove-it deal. The Cardinals can get out of this deal after uh, this uh, 2019 season and really incur no dead cap uh, on this contract. So the last two years almost act as a club option for Alfred. And that's just something to keep in the back of your mind whenever you are looking at contracts uh, is the guaranteed money. Yeah, so essentially what you're saying, Josh is yeah there's a lot of fluff in these contracts so what you really want to pay attention to as a fan is the guaranteed money so um, I think a good one we can touch on later as an example is the Landon Collins contract because I think that was for six years but essentially it's a three-year deal with a lot of guaranteed money and then after that um, it's pretty much uh, a one-year a one-year club option for the team every uh, for the last three years of his contract so we'll get into that later but before we move on from the Arizona Cardinals Josh um, as we all know, last year they were just abysmal offensively, not really giving Josh Rosen uh, much to work with, uh, especially with the line in front of him. He did not have a, a, a lot of time to make anything happen. So I like what they did by trading uh, uh, for Marcus Gilbert from the Steelers and picking up um, a divisional rival, uh, J.R. Sweezy, uh, on a two-year deal. So they're getting some new, uh, some fresh faces, some new bodies on that offensive line and kind of do the plug-and-play method, uh, get some new guys in there and, and see what works and try to improve uh, this offensive line. And another signing I kind of liked was uh, Kevin White, the former Bears first-round pick, drafted seventh overall in 2015, never really panned out. So um, they're kind of bring him in and kind of take a flyer on a guy and, and see if uh, uh, he'll be able to flourish in their offensive system. Yeah, and just what, before we move on to the Atlanta Falcons, one uh, subtraction that they had was linebacker slash safety Deion Buchanan, and he left to go rejoin 
Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay. I love uh, Dayon. Uh, he's the kind of guy that I'd love to start my defense with. His versatility is just amazing. But Cardinals will have to replace him, and I think they did with uh, Jordan Hicks in the middle of that defense. All right, moving on to the Atlanta Falcons. They were quiet, Jesse, but they filled some very important needs on that offensive line. They've spent 39 million total in free agency thus far. They added 30-year-old guard James Carpenter, who is a former New York Jet. Four years, $21 million, $7 million guaranteed. Uh, They also went and took from the Giants, 26-year-old guard Jamon Brown, for three years, $18.75 million, with 12.5 being guaranteed. And these are guys who will replace veteran Andy Lavitre, who hit free agency this past this offseason. And uh, the Falcons hope that these two guys will essentially complete this offensive line that was pretty good last year. They ranked 12th overall, according to Pro Football Focus. And the goal is to hopefully keep quarterback Matt Ryan safe. Yes, of course, Josh. This offensive line over the past couple seasons hasn't been that of an elite unit, but has been a very, very good unit and hasn't held the Atlanta Falcons offense back by no means. So uh, acquiring these guards after the loss of Andy Levitre, like you said, is a good way to ensure that... uh, that their offensive line is able to be one of the better units in the NFL going forward. I think the biggest, I don't want to say acquisition because he uh, was on the roster, but uh, the franchise taking of Grady Jarrett, I think, was this was this team's uh, biggest offseason move. And it remains to be seen if he'll sign the franchise tender, but that is someone they're definitely looking to keep in the organization. Without a doubt. Their one subtraction, their one notable subtraction uh, that I'd like to note is uh, Tevin Coleman, who ended up signing with the 49ers. We'll get into his signing a little bit later. But the tandem that he created with Devontae Freeman uh, will definitely be missed. Yeah, definitely. But last year with Devontae Freeman's injury, it was more of the Tevin Coleman show. So they're kind of losing their starting back, but uh, gaining their previous starting back back. So I think I think they were okay with losing Tevin Coleman, and uh, they're just going into next season hoping Devontae Freeman will be able to stay healthy for the majority of the regular season. Without a doubt, their offense is definitely better with Freeman. Uh, let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens, Jesse, they almost held the biggest L in free agency, uh, the free agency period for me, until the Giants showed up to the party. They they spent $70 million total uh, in the first initial wave of free agency thus far. They've I really wanted to more focus on their losses, okay? It's beginning with linebacker C.J. Mosley, also outside linebacker Zadarius Smith, who I thought is, was going to be Terrell Suggs' successor. They also lost Terrell Suggs, and they released Eric Weddle, their safety the Ravens' failure to even retain one of these players, Jesse, was uh, my biggest shock through the first couple of days of free agency. I mean, I thought they were at least going to be able to keep one of these guys. I thought their first priority was going to be C.J. Mosley, and they just couldn't get it done with him. I think uh, I, I'm in total agreement with you there. They definitely wanted to keep C.J. Mosley um, in, 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 the, in a purple uniform, but with what he garnered on the open market with the New York Jets... That would have just set their team back um, with, uh, with their cap situation. That would have set their team back a couple of years. So obviously someone they wanted to resign, but the financials just didn't work out. And uh, obviously it was kind of, we were kind of questioning the Eric Weddle release at the time, but it all makes sense now with the signing of Earl Thomas, who got a four-year, $55 million deal with $32 million guaranteed. So that kind of explains the Eric Weddle release. And if he can come back healthy, Earl Thomas... Um, 
is is always in the conversation um, as uh, for the best free safety in the NFL today. And he's probably the closest thing we have in the NFL to that of former Raven great Ed Reed today. So it'll be interesting to see Earl Thomas join this respected Ravens defense uh, and see what he's able to do in the Ravens uniform. Yeah, Earl Thomas is definitely an upgrade over Eric Weddle, like you said, uh, barring he stays healthy. And just to break down Eric Tom- or Earl Thomas's uh, contract, like you said, thirty-two million dollars guaranteed. He'll it'll be paid to him over the first two seasons. So his first two seasons are essentially fully guaranteed, which is exactly what he wanted. The Ravens have an out following the twenty twenty one season. Uh, should they decide to release Thomas at that time, they would only incur five million dollars in dead cap, um, but save twelve million dollars. And Thomas will be thirty two at that time. Another addition that they had was Mark Ingram. Yeah, Mark Ingram running back for the New Orleans Saints last year. I think this is a really good pickup. They seem to just uh, to try a lot of things at running back last year, and none of them seem to stick. So this is a guy who can churn you out yards in between the tackles, a great fit beside Lamar Jackson, and he's still on the right side of 30, although he'll be heading into the wrong side of 30 next year. But this is still a guy who has... Um, very little wear and tear on his body because of uh, the scheme that they use in New Orleans is not too tough on running backs. You're not going to get the 20-plus touches a game like you see um, on other teams. And, and this is a guy, with all that being said, after he came back from his suspension last year, still averaged 4.7 yards per carry. Yeah, Mark Ingram might be entering this year. I think he's going to be, he'll be playing his 30-year-old season uh, this year. He might be the freshest 30-year-old back in NFL history, uh, starting running back, I should say, in NFL history. Uh, Because, yeah, like you said, with Alvin Kamara, his touches were definitely uh, shared. And he definitely provides a great uh, brain, a great mind uh, and veteran presence right beside Lamar Jackson. All right, let's move on to the Buffalo Bills. And Buffalo Bills actually made some noise, Jesse. The noise they appeared to make, though, was... uh, Drowned out a lot because they didn't really sign huge names. Nevertheless, I do love what the Bills have done in free agency. Yeah, this is a classic Buffalo Bills free agency. It's hard to get um, big names to come to Buffalo, so you're going to kind of overpay on some of the lesser names in the market, which uh, is kind of what I think they did. Obviously, with the addition of Cole Beasley, um, signed a four-year, $29 million contract with $14.4 million guaranteed. And I like what Cole Beasley has been able to do in Dallas as a slot receiver, but I just can't imagine um, his fit in this offense with Josh Allen. What do you think about this signing, Josh? You know what? Cole Beasley, I think, is more of that veteran presence, sure-handed guy, almost like a tight end, if you would. He, he plays in the slot primarily, obviously, uh, but... If you think about what the, the Bills had last season, I mean, they were targeting Zay Jones a lot. And then uh, they've also added John Brown, who's a nice veteran. But Cole Beasley is going to give you uh, that sure-handed, in-crunch time when you need a big catch. He is probably going to be the guy that Josh Allen looks to. Another signing that they had, like I just mentioned, was John Brown. Jesse, I love this signing for the Bills. The Bills, with with... Josh Allen's massive cannon of an arm. John Brown is a speed burner, and Allen loves to let it fly. This is a great fit. John Brown got signed to three years, $27 million. And like we said in the Bills' outlook, the Bills need to add some weapons around Josh Allen. Well, they've done that with Cole Beasley and John Brown. 
Yeah, I really like this John Brown signing. He's one of the faster receivers in the NFL, and the defenses are going to have to respect him taking the top off the defense almost every play. Um, seeing as last year he averaged 17 yards per reception, um, which was good for top 50 in the NFL. Yeah, and he'll like this a little bit more because with Joe Flacco, like we've already previously touched on, he uh, did have some pretty good production. And then once Lamar Jackson came in and they went to more of a running style, uh, John Brown saw a significant dis- decrease in touches. Yeah, just to touch on uh, a subtraction we talked about earlier with these Buffalo Bills, um, longtime tight end Charles Clay was released and went to Arizona. Um, so his replacement, uh, who, who the Buffalo Bills went out and, and, and sought as his replacement, is former Bengals tight end Tyler Croft, who has kind of proven himself in the absence of Tyler Eifert over the past couple seasons as a legitimate uh, vertical uh, receiving threat at the tight end position, although he lacks a little bit um, of the blocking prowess of other tight ends. Yeah, and the Bills, besides these offensive signings, or uh, these skill position signings, I should say, uh, they also went out and upgraded their line with center Mitch Morse, who comes over from Kansas City. Four years, $44.5 million. Morse was uh, the 13th-ranked center in 2018, according to Pro Football Focus, and will definitely provide some much-needed stability. Uh, one last that I wanted to touch on for the Bills, they signed Frank Gore. This was like their first free agent signing this year, and Gore is future Hall of Fame running back without a doubt, 35 years old. One year's two million, one year two million dollar contract. I love it. Yeah, I, 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 I love to see Frank Gore still in the NFL. I don't know what this signing says about the Bills. They have two running backs over the age of thirty. Some of the all-time great running backs um, in my era in Lashawn McCoy and Frank Gore. But at this point, I don't really know what both of those guys are doing in your locker room and, and look and looking to be slated as number one and two on your depth chart going into the season. All right, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers, Jesse. And as we knew uh, prior to the start of free agency, the Panthers didn't really have an exuberant amount of uh, cap space, but they did address their O-line with the cap space that they did have. Uh, And this was the 17th-ranked offensive line in 2018, according to PFF. They definitely got better by signing center uh, Matt Paredes, who was the top center available on the market and the the Panthers landed a really great replacement for their longtime center Ryan Khalil. Yeah, I agree with you. They went out there, upgraded this line. But just looking at the Carolina Panthers offseason thus far, um, with only two signings um, and none of them being really big splash signings, this looks to me like a team that is just going to run it back with the new ownership. They're going to run it back and kind of evaluate all parts of this roster, uh, front office, um, and coaching group that they have in place in Carolina. That's what uh, that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from the moves they've made so far this offseason. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, as we've touched on before, the Panthers have been in the news quite a bit uh, so far this offseason, but with a lot of releases of their veteran presences, especially on the defensive side. And they they lost uh, another one in Thomas Davis, who ended up signing with uh, the Chargers. Looks like they're just implementing a youth movement whilst trying to stay competitive somehow with quarterback Cam Newton as he is really... With the his style of play, he's kind of coming into the end of his prime years. And the Panthers also lost uh, wide receiver Devin Funches to Indianapolis. Uh, there just didn't really seem to be a mutual interest between uh, Funches and the Panthers to return to the organization in 2019. Uh, so now the Panthers are left with DJ Moore as their primary receiver, and they'll need to grab another threat in free agency. Now, in saying that, 
the Panthers have been pretty aggressive in past in recent years uh, with grabbing their offensive targets, i.e. Uh, Devin Funches, i.e. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, and I think that the I think that we'll see them do that once again uh, this year. Was there anybody else you want to talk about for the Panthers? All right, let's move on to the Chicago Bears who have spent a total of $36 million so far in free agency. And Jesse, they really just did the best they could at replacing some of their big losses defensively. Uh, As we know, free safety Adrian Amos, who went to the Green Bay Packers, division rivals, love to see it. And cornerback Bryce Callahan uh, to the Broncos. They did add cornerback Buster Screen to replace Bryce Callahan in that slot. And they added... Free safety, haha, Clinton Dix. And then they also added a surprise running back signing for me, former Seattle running back Mike Davis. Uh, so, going to Buster Screen, one of the Jets' uh, many free agents, he signed three years, $16.6 million uh, with the Bears. Uh, screen, like I said, will assume that slot position. And although he's lacked some really solid consistency throughout his career. Uh, a change in scenery might be just what he needs to, to vault him into that category as one of the top slot cornerbacks in the NFL. Yeah, hopefully hopefully they found a cost-effective replacement for Bryce Callahan in Buster Screen. I think he'll, I won't be able to replicate what Bryce Callahan did last year, but I think he will be a viable option at that nickel slot corner. I really like what they did with getting Ha Ha Clinton Dix, um, former first-round talent. He's kind of had his ups and downs and troubles with consistency throughout his career. But on a one-year deal worth only $3.5 million and with uh, what the Bears had to spend this offseason, I think that's a good pickup. Um, and essentially trading uh, trading uh, safeties with the Green Bay Packers, Adrian Amos uh, for Ha Ha Clinton Dix. As it would seem right now, another interesting signing is um, someone who came to Soldier Field last year um, in a Patriots uniform and, and helped the Patriots steal a game on the road. And that's dynamic kick returner, wide receiver, running back hybrid Cordero Patterson, um, who signed a two-year $10 million deal uh, with the Chicago Bears this week uh, with $5 million guaranteed. Yeah, they added a weapon for Mitchell Trubisky on the offensive side, and they definitely get a boost in their special teams game as well with Cordero Patterson. Just going to Mike Davis really quickly, two years, $6 million, Jesse. This came as a little bit of a shock to me because the Bears have Jordan Howard and they have Tariq Cohen, who assumed two completely different styles. Uh, So their bases were already covered kind of in the backfield. Now, Mike Davis simply adds depth to a pretty good backfield. I'm not sure what Matt Nagy has planned for this backfield, though, in terms of splitting carries. Unless Howard gets cut, do you see that happening? I think from what I've heard especially is Howard's been on the trade block, so they're probably uh, in the midst of trying to find a a trade suitor for him right now, and if not, we'll probably see him get uh, cut at some point in the next couple of months. All right, let's move on forward to the Cincinnati Bengals, Jesse. Do you, nothing splashy, but do you like what they did? Well, I mean, uh, with where we were at last year, I don't think we were a couple pieces away from really being contenders. So uh, with the new coach, we kind of brought back some of the bright spots from last year. Um, definitely a, your atypical or your prototypical, sorry, Cincinnati Bengals offseason, seeing a lot of re-signings and some questionable pieces on this roster let go um, due to financial constraints. Um, first off was 
uh, former Buffalo Bills linebacker who we acquired in free agency last year, Preston Brown, who did have trouble staying on the field, but when healthy, is uh, a legitimate field general at that middle linebacker position. He re-signed um, uh, on a three-year deal that's worth up to $21 million. We don't have any information on the guaranteed money, so we'll have to take that for what it is. But at three years, uh, $7 million a year for a pretty good quality starting middle linebacker. I think that's a pretty good pickup this offseason. Another interesting signing that the Cincinnati Bengals had was that of Bobby Hart, uh, offensive tackle who was in a backup role to start the season, but um, due to a couple of injuries along that offensive line, um, started um, the majority of the season after about week four and actually played really well in the absence of a couple of our offensive linemen. And he uh, was signed to another three-year deal worth $16.15 million. Um, so he'll probably be a, a stopgap starter. And then once we fill out this line, he'll be um, a guy we can move to either tackle position or guard at times, depending um, on the health of our offensive line or how well they're performing. Um, or even as the Seattle Seahawks use as almost that sixth lineman sometimes that you bring into the offense when you're really trying to run the ball. An- another an- another interesting uh, thing to note is um, with all these signings, uh, it was kind of assumed that we'd sign, uh, re-sign Darquez Denard, but apparently he's some of the contracts he's been offered on the open market just more than this, uh, uh, what the Cincinnati Bengals were willing to pay. Uh, so we they went out and got um, B.W. Webb of the New York Giants on a three-year deal with $13 million. So that's a very good signing for a budget nickel corner and, and just a, a classic Cincinnati Bengals signing. Uh, get a budget guy to fill a need and not one of the big names and hope he works out. Yeah, just, just going to be sticking with B.W. Webb, what do you think this means for the rest of the cornerback stable in Cincinnati? Because you don't think that Darquez Denard is going to get re-signed now. They still got William Jackson and Dre Kirkpatrick, who Kirkpatrick, you've said, is a possible cut candidate for you. Well, that was prior to this signing. I, 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 it looks as if Dre Kirkpatrick will be sticking around for another season. Obviously, William Jackson... Um, might move into that number one role as he did last season. Um, there wasn't really a number one and number two corner in Cincinnati. It was more based upon matchups, um, depending on like the size of their number one receiver, etc. seeing as William Jackson's um, on the smaller side of corners and Drake Kirkpatrick is definitely on the larger side, being 6'2 and a little bit bigger figure. But yeah, like you said, I, I guess we're going to see Drake Kirkpatrick come back for another year. That's kind of what the signing indicates to me uh, also letting Darquez Denard go. After letting Tyler Croft go to the Buffalo Bills, as we mentioned earlier, um, his running mate CJ Uzoma re-signed with the Bengals for a three-year deal uh, worth up to $18 million, according to Ian Rappaport. They decided to go with a more well-rounded tight end here. Uzoma's a, a larger red zone target than Tyler Croft. Not as much, a, a, not as good of a route runner, but definitely brings more to the table in the run game. Yeah, and they also re-signed Tyler Eifert today, the day of recording, of course, uh, on a one-year deal. So they've got two of their three tight ends that hit free agency back. And just sticking quickly with their offense, I wanted to touch on John Miller um, from the Buffalo Bills, who he's a guard who signed a three-year $60.5 million contract. He plays really great against the pass, and that fits the Bengals mold because the Bengals pass the ball um, over 61% of the time in 2018, eighth most in the NFL they were passing. So 
John Miller is really going to fit the Bengals mold. Really start. They've really clearly started to add some pieces around first round center uh, Billy Price. So. This was an offensive line that was clearly uh, decimated by injury last year and just clearly not that great. So hopefully they can make uh, some strides in the right direction. Let's stay in Ohio, Jesse, but let's talk about the dog pound. Wow. The Cleveland Browns, John Dorsey, he's officially made his mark in Cleveland. Arguably the most exciting team in 2019 to this point. They've just added a plethora of names and have really bolstered both sides of the ball. Yeah, it is absolutely astounding what John Dorsey has been able to do uh, with his situation in Cleveland. Obviously coming in there with a lot of assets at his disposal, but not a lot of talent on the roster. And within less than two years, he has turned these picks into legitimate starters and MVP candidates. He turned these picks into Jarvis Landry, um, Odell Beckham, as we'll talk in the trade later, Baker Mayfield, who not everybody had going first overall last year, but after watching last season, definitely looked like the number one overall pick. It has been absolutely amazing to watch what he's been able to do there over in Cleveland. Yeah, and we'll get to, uh, there's two trades I wanted to talk about in Cleveland. But I want to just quickly touch on one other addition. They added defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson on free agency. He's just, he simply just makes this front seven so much better. He's a great interior uh, defender, stuffs the run really well, and they really need, and that's where they needed help because last year they ranked 28th against the run. And Richardson's services are just extremely valuable in this organization. A nice pickup. All right, let's talk about these trades. First one I wanted to touch on, we'll get to the Odell Beckham one. First one I wanted to talk about, though, was Olivier Vernon. Okay, the Giants traded outside linebacker Olivier Vernon to Cleveland for guard Kevin Zeitler. And both of these guys are near the top of their respective positions. But let me explain why this was a great add for both sides. Okay, Kevin Zeitler is now 29 years old, was probably the most expendable piece on this very good offensive line. But he's still very good. And and as we've discussed, the Giants had an awful right side of their O-line in 2018. So now they just needed to continue building it up. Um, as for the Browns, they're getting Olivier Vernon, who is definitely the more notable piece of the two. And because Vernon signed such a huge deal with the Giants in 2016... Although he's been very good, his cap hit in 2019 was $15 million, and the Giants occurred, incurred $0 in dead cap by completing this trade. So this really just filled a need on both sides, and then on top of it, for the Giants, they just cleared cap space that they really needed uh, in this trade. How did you like this trade? I thought it was a win-win, just like you said. Uh, the Browns... Uh... Reports came out about the Browns looking to trade Zeitler uh, right around the Combine, so uh, it seemed to be a talking point uh, between the teams at a Combine. So uh, after it uh, let slip that he was on the trading block to go and get a piece that you really needed and and actually add a piece that can benefit your team for someone you were looking to get rid of, um, it's just a great all-around move by John Dorsey. They get someone to pair up on the other side of the line with Miles Garrett, obviously added Sheldon Richardson to that interior, and... This front four is looking pretty ferocious uh, for in Cleveland. Yeah, the the Browns also had the need at outside linebacker with Jamie Collins now being gone, and they had lo- loads of cap space to take on Olivia Vernon, who's been one of the more elite pass rushers over uh, the past few years. So now, get this, Olivier Vernon uh, joins a defense where he's not even the best pass rusher. 
he's joining Miles Garrett. Okay, this is a arguably now the best uh, edge rushing tandem in the NFL. I think that's it for this trade. Let's move on to probably the biggest trade of the week. Masterful, masterful job by John Dorsey in this trade. The Browns traded safety to Brill Peppers, um, a first round, their first round pick in 2019 and their third round pick in 2019 for Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. Now, Jesse, I heard rumors that the Giants were, weren't necessarily shopping Odell, but that they would be open to hearing what people had to offer. And sure enough, he's gone. And the move really came out of nowhere, though. No one saw this company coming. And Jesse, I, I cannot stress how good of a move this was for the Browns and how bad uh, of a move this was for the Giants, financially speaking. Yeah, this, this trade, Josh, just makes the Cleveland Browns offense the, one of the more exciting teams to look forward to uh, going into 2019. This offense is going to be must-watch television. John Dorsey went out and got one of the best wide receivers in the NFL after after acquiring his former LSU teammate last year in Jarvis Landry. So now they are reunited in Cleveland. We're probably going to see some pretty exciting antics on touchdowns. like uh, <laughs> Baker, yeah. Juice... <laughs> and OBJ in the end zone. There's going to be an Njoku at tight end. There's going to be a lot of excitement on that offensive side in Cleveland. And I remember uh, last year there was a couple of trade rumors surrounding Odell Beckham. Uh, and the rumors were they wanted two first. So I really like what John Dorsey did here in a safety-heavy free agent market. Um, he kind of sidestepped the two firsts that they wanted um, in New York, he was only he only had to get rid of their first round pick this year, which is number seventeen, a third rounder, and Jabril Peppers, who will be easily replaceable um, with the abundance of safeties on the free agent market. Now, one thing that I wanted to to touch on here was, although I think that the Giants could have got more for Odell, the return they got from isn't even really my biggest issue with this deal, okay? Because Jabril Peppers, although you say he's easily replaceable um, in this new Steve Wilkes defense, Jabril Peppers is already a top 12 safety in the NFL, in my opinion. And and I'm confident that he'll even grow into a top 10 safety in our league. I'm high on him because of the versatility he brings. Now, like I said, they probably could have gotten more. I'm not mad at the return. The problem I have with this deal is when looking at the Giants is they, they demonstrated poor awareness of what state their franchise was in in 2018. Okay, so let's do a little rewind into 2018's offseason a year ago here. David Gettleman, the GM of the New York Giants, signed Odell Beckham to a massive five-year, $90 million contract with $40 million in guaranteed at signing, Jesse. $40 million, okay? They gave this guy a lot of money. The reason why that guaranteed money is so important is because the Giants now have to incur that money toward their dead cap. Okay, now you have Odell signed. Your defense looks to be coming along with, you had Landon Collins, and you have some nice weapons on offense, and now you have the second overall pick. And instead of drafting a quarterback to take this offense over the top after he develops, they go and draft Saquon Barkley, which I'm not against. Saquon Barkley is already arguably one of the, is arguably already the best running back in the NFL. But now they have a loaded offense with an awful Eli Manning at the helm, taking up more than $20 million in cap space. And they can't make any strides because their quarterback isn't taking them anywhere. So all in all, the, the problem I have with this trade is 
David Gettleman failed to realize that his team needed to start their rebuild last season. Okay, and because he failed to realize that, he gave away a bunch of money to Odell, drafted a running back at second overall instead of a quarterback, uh, and now that he realizes his team is not Super Bowl contenders with Eli Manning, who, by the way, is still taking up more than $20 million in cap space, he trades away the most polarizing name in the NFL to start his rebuild. This was just terrible planning overall by the Giants' front office, and I think if the Giants don't appear to be going anywhere after the 2020 season, I think David Gettleman is looking for a new job. It's tough to say that. GMs get a lot more time to see their vision come to fruition than coaches, obviously. But yeah, they definitely, I think the biggest problem with the New York Giants organization over the past couple of years is their belief in Eli Manning. Obviously, he won the two Super Bowls there. He is, will forever uh, be a legend in Giants, in New York and in Giants history. But it just seems like their faith in him has just uh, cost them a couple of seasons here, and they have still yet to get the incumbent quarterback. So this year's draft will be very telling uh, for the future of the Giants franchise. Yeah, and I mean, they've already made it pretty clear that they're going to go for with Eli Manning this season, which, okay, at this point, it's fine, because now you, I hope you draft a quarterback in this upcoming draft, and then they can go and have him develop. I just don't like this move overall for the Giants, just financially, and uh, we'll see where they go from here on out. Now, this was the Browns that we were talking about, so let's just bring it back. So as far as the Browns are concerned, another brilliant move uh, by uh, John Dorsey. Jarvis Landry uh, is a spectacular receiver in the slot. He really needed a number one wide receiver, though. He went out and got uh, Odell Beckham Jr. fantastic. So now their offense in 2019 looks like this. Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway, uh, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, and in the second half of the season, you can also include Kareem Hunt on that list. Oh, and and their quarterback is Baker Mayfield, as you've already mentioned. Yeah, a lot to look forward to in Cleveland next year. Let's go uh, move a little bit further south here to some warmer pastures, and let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys, uh, located in Fort Worth, Texas, who have had uh, an interesting offseason, to say the least. Maybe not so much with the signings. They've had uh, some interesting subtractions on their team. Um, but this offseason is more of a preface um, looking uh, for what they'll do next year with some big names um, up for extension. But I think the biggest addition uh, for this Dallas Cowboys team this offseason is former Monday night football commentator Jason Witten making his return to the gridiron after one year a one year absence from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he came out of retirement to sign a one year deal, as we've discussed previously on the podcast, um, with a value of three point five million, but could be worth up to roughly five with incentives. Um, so that's probably their biggest addition, um, other than the franchise tag on defensive end Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, like you said, they didn't make really any noise in free agency, and that's because a lot of their off-season checklist lies within the organization, people who are already under contract. As we've noted, they have Byron Jones, they have Dak Prescott, they have Ezekiel Elliott, uh, they have Demarcus Lawrence. They've got a lot of people that they need to extend uh, to keep their core, to really build a core uh, for the Dallas Cowboys moving forward. I don't know if you had anything really else to talk about with the Dallas Cowboys. No, let's talk about John Elway's... uh... Broncos here 
the Denver Broncos, who have had a very, very interesting offseason, to say the least. As we touched on previously, um, by far their biggest move has been the trade for Baltimore Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco, who they got in exchange for a a fourth-round pick. John Elway actually came out this week, Josh, and said that Joe Flacco, at the age of 34, is just entering his prime. Mm, is is I, Elway getting a little bit senile? Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know what even to say about that. I already know what my initial reaction is on hearing that. I didn't hear that just until now, but that is, uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. If, if there is anybody who uh, would have the history or career to say that, it would be John Elway, seeing as the back yeah. half of his career is kind of what uh, launched him into the Hall of Fame as a surefire Hall of Famer with those two Super Bowl wins. But I think we have probably seen the best out of Joe Flacco, and he is a known commodity at this point. But I thought that was very interesting, um, him going out there and having uh, his new quarterbacks back. Um But like we touched on earlier, a great addition for this Denver Broncos team um, is that of the slot corner Bryce Callahan, the former Chicago Bear, who agreed to a three-year, $21 million contract, and he goes and joins his former defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, in Denver. Yeah, they also continue to add on the defensive side of the ball with safety Kareem Jackson, former Houston Texan, who got released by Houston, uh, right before the start of free agency. And Elway filled a big need on the back end there. Three years, $33 million, $23 million guaranteed uh, at signing. Jackson's got to love it. Um, then Elway shifted over to the offensive side of the ball. In a huge signing, if you ask me, they they signed right tackle Jawan James, formerly of the Miami Dolphins. James might have been the best tackle on the market this year. It, with Trenton Brown, will that's up for debate, but we spoke previously about how consistent Jawan James has been over the past few seasons. He's still only 27 years old. The Broncos got a really good one. Four years, $51 million, and I think the Dolphins are really going to be hurting after that loss. Definitely, but there's a lot to look forward to in Denver. This is almost shades of that Peyton Manning era. Now they have Chubb and Miller. Miller has now become the veteran as opposed to DeMarcus Ware, like the the last iteration of this great defense. They Mm -hmm. added Bryce Callahan, Kareem uh, Jackson, and Chris Harris Jr. will be coming back from injury uh, with those two edge rushers. And now it looks to be one of the better cornerback trios in the NFL. uh, And Vic Fangio at the helm. This will be a defense to look out for going into next season. Um, And... Maybe we don't need to see the greatest version of Joe Flacco like we didn't see out of Peyton Manning the year that he won the Super Bowl. I think with if this defense can vault itself into top uh, to a top three unit, the Broncos are a team to watch out for. Yeah, I think that they're going to be right in that defense uh, as, as far as they can go. Um, one thing that I wanted to touch on before he moved on was the losses. They lost a couple of key pieces on their offensive line in uh, Matt Paredes, who we've already touched on, who went to Carolina. He's the best center available. And guard Billy Turner, who went to the Packers. And, and, and Billy Turner is actually a big loss because of his versatility. Because he can play almost every position on the O-line, and that helps big time when injuries arise. So they're really going to need to address these needs uh, either in the draft or they're going to have to make some late signings in free agency here. Uh, but I think that in the draft, I think that they really even need to get another weapon bes- uh, besides Emmanuel Sanders in this offense. Yeah, I would would tend to agree with you there. They're probably going to look to the later rounds to pick up uh, some weapons for that offense to to, to help them move the ball. 
But I think that's about it for the Denver Broncos. Let's move on to the New England... Oh, sorry, uh, that would be the Detroit Lions. Just looking at all these signings, I kind of got confused there, Josh. Yeah, uh, they did add a New England Patriot, though, in probably the best edge rusher uh, that hit the market in Trey Flowers. Matt Patricia stole someone from Bill Belichick. It took a, it took a lot of cash to get him, though, Josh. Uh, I don't know if Trey uh, Flowers will be worth the $16 million he'll be getting paid throughout his tenure in Detroit. But nonetheless, definitely the most versatile front seven free agent on the market and someone that head coach Matt Patricia is very familiar with. Another former face is Danny Amendola, who was recently released by the Miami Dolphins, who is making a return um, to his former running mate in New England with Matt Patricia at head coach again. He signed a one-year deal that includes $4.5 million guaranteed, um, and he's uh, with incentives he can earn up to about roughly $5.75 million, according to Ian Rappaport. Yeah, just uh, going to the defense, uh, cornerback Justin Coleman uh, was another nice uh, signing that I, I, I liked here. Four years, $36 million. Coleman, Coleman was essentially added as a number two cornerback to help out Darius Big Play Slay. And there might not be a better place to grab a cornerback from than Seattle. They really know how to develop their cornerbacks. Just wanted to quickly break down this contract for Trey Flowers, though. $40 million at signing, $56 million in total guarantees, this is really just a three-year deal for Trey Flowers, even though it's five years on paper. The Lions have an out on his contract following the 2021 season, and that would be when Flowers is going to be age 29. This is just really a nice contract all around for both sides when looking purely at cash. Uh, Flowers ranks number one among all defensive ends in the league, and the Lions will get a premier uh, pass rusher in his prime to fill the shoes of Ziggy Ansah. All right, so moving on to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Jesse, I was just really overwhelmed with excitement watching free agency and watching the Packers uh, make these acquisitions. They spent the second most in free agency thus far uh, at $184 million in total contracts. As many know, the Packers have historically just been preaching draft and develop, draft and develop. But now Brian Gutekunst has uh, made his intentions known that he wants to be more aggressive, and that he was. Uh, he understands the current state of the Packers with franchise quarterback Aaron Rodgers, 35 years old. It's a win now, and the Packers did a spectacular job uh, in the first stage of free agency. Let's talk about their first signing. Bill, Billy Turner, four years, $28 million. The Packers had... Uh, one of the best offensive lines, arguably the best offensive line in football a season ago. Their biggest hole, though, was at right guard. Billy Turner is just plug-and-play at that right guard. Fantastic signing. Defensively is where the Packers made their biggest splashes, though. Outside linebackers, Darius Smith. Four years, $66 million. This is the guy who I thought would uh, still be in Baltimore, as I previously said. And then they also go out and sign outside linebacker Preston Smith from Washington. This was a guy we talked about uh, when breaking down the Redskins. He's one of the guys who the Redskins just couldn't afford to sign. He's now a Packer. Four years, $52 million. Zadarius Smith is going to be bringing that pass rushing ability. He led the Baltimore Ravens in sacks last year. And Preston Smith is going to be bringing that run-stuffing ability. What the Packers have done, Jesse, that I like, is they've now taken 33-year-old Clay Matthews and 29-year-old overpaid Nick Perry They've let them go to free agency, and they've replaced them with two 26-year-olds in Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. And 
the best part of all this was the Packers weren't done there. They, they addressed a huge hole in the secondary by signing free safety Adrian Amos from the Bears. Four years, $36 million. And Amos has taken a lot of flack as being overpaid. Uh, now, because he doesn't have the interceptions to show for it, there's more to the safety position than interceptions, people. Okay, this guy's been one of the most consistent safeties in the NFL over the past three seasons, allowed only 81.8 passer rating when targeted last season. I'm sorry that I just went on a rant there, Jesse, but I'm just really excited about the Packers entering 2018. There's some fresh faces for me to cheer for. Yeah, it's definitely different looking at the Green Bay Packers go out there and be one of the, make some of the biggest splash signings in any free agency period. Uh, A really interesting note is how they structure these contracts um, with all three of them essentially being two-year deals um, with not a lot of dead cap after that two-year period if they were to cut any of the uh, three free agents uh, you named there in Preston Smith, Zedaria Smith, and Adrian Amos. Um, so definitely uh, a two-year window here for these free agents and Aaron Rodgers to make a run, uh, some deep playoff runs. And after that, uh, they'll kind of be back in the same position without too much dead cap to incur from these contracts. So um, definitely definitely some signings, uh, some, some good signings um, for some great players and players of need. And we'll see how it works out next season. Exciting times in Green Bay for sure. Let's move on to the Houston Texans. Houston has cap space, Jesse, but... They only made two signings, and they focused on replacing those they lost in free agency. They added to Sean Gibson from uh, Jacksonville, three years, $22.5 million, who replaces Tyron Matthew. And they've added Bradley Roby from the Denver Broncos on a one-year deal worth up to $10 million. And the Texans really just made some changes to try to bolster uh, that pass defense that struggled a season ago. They ranked 28th in the NFL against the pass, and I really like the addition of Bradley Roby, uh, but I definitely uh, would not take Deshaun Gibson over Tyron Matthew. I think the Texans need to figure out a way to uh, sign Tyron Matthew. I I think they're going to be hurting because of that. Well, reports are that uh, Tyron Matthew has gone to Kansas City this free agency period, so I thought replacing, um, obviously not the same caliber of player, uh, Deshaun Gibson versus the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, but when you upgrade uh, at the corner position, it kind of allows you to take a step back on other parts of your defense. And Tashawn Gibson is a proven starter in this league, um, headed that great Jacksonville Jaguars defense of the past two years, was a vital piece um, on that defense, stays within the division, goes to Houston, um, and will look to uh, reprise his role as a, as a starting safety. Um, and he is a guy, unlike... Uh, Honey Badger in the past couple of years, who you can count on uh, game in and game out, as seeing as he played 99% of his snaps for the uh, Jaguars last year. Yeah, and one thing to note before we move forward here is the Texans still have an estimated $44 million in cap space, so they could be far from finished as far as free agency is concerned. There's still a lot of big names out there on the market. Let's go to the Indianapolis Colts, stay in the AFC South. Jesse, what did the Colts do? They kept on with uh, what their strategy here, not spending for the amount of cap space they had. They didn't go out and make any huge splash signings. They, uh, I think, the biggest resigning was resigning Pierre Desir um, on a three-year deal worth twenty-five million dollars, twelve million guaranteed. 
Um, he was a vital part of, of that defense, uh, that top 10 defense last year, um, playing that Tampa 2 soft zone corner um, out there, keeping everything in front of him. I think this is a great re-signing, um, and we'll look to see that defense improve next year um, with a year of chemistry under their belt. And like we talked about previously, we thought they were going to go after Golden Tate, um, maybe even have been in the Antonio Brown trade market, but they kept quiet and, and true to um, who they've been under their new general manager. Um, not signing a big name, but getting a legitimate receiver in Devin Funches. Uh, he signed a one-year deal worth $13 million, so they have a holdover guy at wide receiver, and next year they'll have a lot of cap space as well, and then next year we might see them go out and get a big, big-name receiver. Yeah, uh, Funchess adds, uh, a, he's a number two receiver, a true number two receiver in this offense. Six foot three, he's really going to uh, create some space in the slot for T.Y. Hilton. That's the biggest part of this, uh, this transaction is T.Y. Hilton is going to be the focus of this passing game. They now have Eric Ebron who can work the middle of the field. They have Devin Funchess on the perimeter and now they can slide T.Y. Hilton anywhere they want to get him in space. The Colts also have uh, over $74 million in cap space still, so they might just be getting started. We'll, we'll see what they, what they have up their sleeve as we move forward in the offseason. Jacksonville, Jesse, they got a quarterback. They did. It did cost them a lot. Uh, Nick Foles, uh, former Super Bowl MVP, that of the Philadelphia Eagles, signed a four-year, $88 million deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars with a, a max value of up to $102 million, according to Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo. Yeah, we said these past two seasons have been nothing short of bliss for Nick Foles with a Super Bowl MVP, a, a, divi- a return to the division around the next year, and we said he was going to be a very rich man with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that he was. He became a very rich man with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, following this was a release, which we both expected to happen. Quarterback Blake Bortles uh, cleared $5 million in cap space upon being released. They do incur $60.5 million in dead cap. But the important thing for this franchise is the Blake Blake Bortles era is officially over. Yeah, and unfortunately there were some huge missteps by the Jaguars front office along the way. Um, For them to go out and get Nick Foles due to the contract extension they signed Blake Bortles to last year, they had to release some key pieces of this defense um, that that helped uh, propel them to where they were the last two years, that being defensive tackle Malik Jackson, who departed for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Tashawn Gibson, who we just covered, who made his way uh, over to Houston, Texas. So... Yes, the Jaguars do have their quarterback, Josh, but it wasn't the smoothest way to get uh, who they believe can bring them to the promised land. They definitely took some hits along the way. We'll see what they do as they enter 2019. I really do think, though, they are now uh, contenders uh, to make a deep playoff run. Let's go to the Chiefs. The Chiefs' offense remains the same more or less, but their defense is now the question mark. They lost. I want to focus on their losses here. Outside linebacker Justin Houston, outside linebacker D. Ford. We knew Justin Houston's status with the team was up in the air entering free agency, but D. Ford was the really more the big question mark. We all knew D. Ford was going to get paid one way or another, and because the Chiefs are switching to a 4-3 defense, Ford became expendable. So they swapped him for a second-round pick in 2020 uh, to the San Francisco 49ers. 
And their one big addition on defense uh, was Tyron Matthew. Three years, $42 million. We don't know all the details of the contract yet, but uh, I would think that his guaranteed money is somewhere in the range of Earl Thomas or Landon Collins. Yeah, probably roughly about $30 million, Josh. But I don't want to speculate until we have the numbers available to us. Obviously, this, uh, Tyron Matthew playing strong safety after this signing. We unfortunately saw the end of an era in Kansas City. Um, a great human being, great football player, and uh, just an inspirational human being. Eric Berry has now hit the free agent market after being released by the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, Barry was designated as a post-June 1st release. And like you said, this really is just the end of an era. He will very quickly get picked up by someone we will see i could honestly see the the, the browns Cleveland browns yeah. yeah the john dorsey connection makes a lot of sense josh um but a couple more additions for these kansas city chiefs after the loss of kareem hunt last year the running back stable was a little bit barren there in kansas city um, and they went and got a proven running back in carlos hyde on a very good deal, a one-year $2.8 million deal. So that adds some depth there in Kansas City. And Alex Okafor, defensive end, is expected to sign there as well with a three-year deal worth up to $24 million. So that can help place some of the production they lost on the edge um, after they lost D. Ford and Justin Houston. Without a doubt. I think that uh, the Chiefs offense, though, one way or another, they will have to carry this team once again, and I'm very confident that they will do so. Let's go on to the Los Angeles Chargers. Stay in this AFC West. The Chargers have kept kept to themselves thus far, but I, they did make one interesting signing. They added outside linebacker Thomas Davis, formerly of the Carolina Panthers. This is a Nice veteran signing. He makes that front seven uh, just that much better. The, the Chargers defense has gotten better each of the past three seasons, Jesse. And now they are just so scary. Their front seven has names like Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Brandon Meebane, Denzel Perryman, who the Chargers extended. Now they got Thomas Davins. That is an experienced front seven who can just simply do everything well. This The Chargers are once again going to be a scary team in 2019. Yeah, this defense is really 11 players deep. Their front seven is, like you said, just packed uh, full of talent. And that secondary is also one of the best in the league. You can tell the Chargers' timeline, or you can tell the Chargers uh, consider themselves as Super Bowl contenders this next season after they, uh, usually when you go and sign a notable backup, such as Tyrod Taylor, who they just signed to a two-year $11 million contract. That usually indicates that you believe you are uh, ready to compete for a Super Bowl, willing to compete for a Super Bowl, and you will not let an injury to your starting quarterback knock you off the track of getting to that ultimate prize. Yeah, uh, Philip Rivers getting up there in age. We will, we got to hope that uh, he stays healthy, or at least Chargers fans do. All right, let's stay in Los. However many of them there are. Yeah, let's let's stay in Los Angeles though. Uh, go to the Rams. I think it's funny, Jesse, just how quickly the Los Angeles Rams have really just become the villains of the NFL. Uh, they they've have a great coach in Sean McVay. They have an above average quarterback in Jared Goff. And then they have a bunch of superstars on both sides of the ball surrounding both of these guys. So in free agency, safety Eric Weddle gets released before the start of free agency. And lo and behold, the first report that comes out from Ian Rappaport is the Rams are in talks with Eric Weddle. Everybody, including myself, rolled their eyes. And Eric Weddle went and ended up signing with 
the Rams on a two-year, $10.5 million contract. The Rams on this deal, they just couldn't afford to bring back LaMarcus Joyner, so they needed a replacement for him. Yeah, Josh, this is just yet another Ravens, uh, a Ravens defensive veteran uh, who hit the free agent market and is moving on to greener pastures as they look towards retirement. I think this made a lot of sense. Eric Weddle probably still lives in California. I am not too sure, but seeing as he spent the majority of his career in San Diego, which is just a couple hours south of Los Angeles, this is almost like a return back home for Eric Weddle and kind of his last contract probably before he retires and he gets to spend it in sunny California. Yeah, this is just really a one-year deal. The second year might as well be a club option, uh, the way it's structured. But nevertheless, a great find for the Rams. Eric Weddle makes any defense better. And they also brought back outside linebacker uh, Dante Fowler on a one-year, $12 million fully guaranteed contract. Jesse, this is simply just the Rams going all in for one last year before they got assigned Jared Goff to big, uh, big-time money. Uh, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins. It's a lot to talk about here, Josh. Yeah, they. Uh, I really didn't like what the Dolphins did, uh, other than the Ryan Tannehill trade. They they lost Jawan James, a right tackle. They cut wide receiver Danny Amendola, who don't get me wrong, they had to cut one of their wide receivers. So, uh, and they'll probably have to cut another one. They also lost defensive end Cameron Wake, who still is clearly able to get it done at uh, his 37 years of age. And they also lost running back Frank Gore. But they were able to sign former Patriot cornerback Eric Rowe. Yeah, he signed to a one-year contract worth up to $3.5 million. So that just lets you know the magnitude of this signing. Obviously, the connection with Brian Flores, another Patriot connection there, makes sense. Um, They also poached another former Patriots offensive weapon, and that being Dwayne Allen, tight end, who signed a two-year deal worth about $7 million. Dwayne Allen is a veteran, proven commodity, good run blocker, and can go and make some catches over the middle when you need him to. So he's a good uh, tight end to have in the stable as they transition into whatever they want to become over the next couple years. Um, I think that's about it for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, other than the Ryan Tannehill trade, though, the the, uh, Tannehill and a 2019 sixth-round pick went to the Tennessee Titans for a 2020 fourth-rounder and a 2019 seventh. As we've already touched on, it it was just time to move on. I think uh, we'll see the Dolphins draft a quarterback at 13th overall and possibly even move up. Before we move on from the Dolphins, though, Jesse, interesting to note, yesterday I read that Jason Lacanfora of CBS reported Colin Kaepernick is apparently interested in the Dolphins' quarterback vacancy. Any initial thoughts after hearing that? Sign him up. Sign me up to watch and sign him up to play. That'd be pretty fun. And I think he wouldn't mind it being sunny Miami. So we'll see where that if that develops anymore. All right, let's go on to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, free agency was very interesting for the Vikings. Uh, they had one free agent that they really cared about, outside linebacker Anthony Barr. Barr was said to most likely be joining C.J. Mosley and signed with the New York Jets. But then Barr backed out and stayed home with the Vikings. So that really worked out for the Vikings. Uh, Can't say I'm pleased about it as a Packers fan. Uh, But nevertheless, this deal on paper is five years, $67.5 million, with $16 million in guaranteed at signing, and $33 million in total guarantees. So a really nice payday uh, for a very good player in our league. Yeah, and I'm sure the Minnesota Vikings are very happy. They almost lost their guy. 
Um, they were able to go out and get him at the last second and sign him to uh, a long-term deal that will keep will, uh, keep him in Minnesota for the majority of his prime playing years. And all it really took was not re-signing Sheldon Richardson. They didn't lose too much um, to find the cap space to get him. So I think overall, this was a great move for the Minnesota Vikings and one they would make a hundred times over. Yeah, Everson Griffin's also coming back. There's news that uh, broke, so that is really good for the Vikings. They will more or less have the exact same team returning in 2019. Let's just hope they can mesh a little bit better. Definitely. Now let's move out east and touch on the reigning Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, who have had somewhat quiet offseason, as the New England Patriots usually do with a couple of big losses, but that doesn't seem to affect them too much, does it, Josh? No, they they made one really nice trade, though, that I wanted to touch on. They traded a 2025th round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles for Michael Bennett and a 7th in 2020. This is another trade, Jesse, that I really like for both sides. For the Patriots, they... Uh, they have lost Trey Flowers, so they had to fill his role some with someone. And then also Michael Bennett is a guy who they expressed a lot of interest in last offseason, but the Eagles ended up getting him. Now, a, a year later, they, they got their guy. And for the Eagles, they need to get off this contract for financial reasons simply. Michael Bennett's cap hit is $7.2 million this year. And they just have needs elsewhere that they could use that money on. Plus, Bennett is 33 years old, and it's entirely plausible uh, that he's fully on the decline from this point forward. All in all, the Patriots, I like this trade because they addressed a need and the Eagles cleared cap space. The Patriots did hit get some big losses. They experienced some big losses, though, in free agency. Definitely. Obviously, the biggest one being that of Trey Flowers, who, as we touched on earlier, made his way to Detroit, Michigan, joining former defensive coordinator Matt Patricia. Cordero Patterson is also on the way out. And also left tackle Trenton Brown went to the Oakland Raiders. So uh, big losses for the Pats, but uh, no one ever spends much time talking about the Patriots' losses because they always find a way. Uh, this is very true. Uh, we still yet to get word on the Rob Gronkowski situation. Uh, seems as if he is still mauling retirement or coming back. Sources close to him, from what I've heard, said he is still interested in playing. Obviously, there has no been, been no decision made. But speaking about retirement, another person on this New England uh, Patriots roster that was considering it, Jason McCourty, has gone out and re-signed on a two-year deal with the New England Patriots worth up to $11 million. So they get... Uh, a key cog on that defensive secondary back, and I'm sure they appreciate him joining this team, seeing as they have a lot of other losses on this defense, um, and that is one less one they have to worry about going into next season. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, let's shift over to uh, another Super Bowl potential favorite in the New Orleans Saints. Biggest news out of New Orleans this week might have been the re-signing of Teddy Two Gloves Bridgewater. Yeah, uh, from what I heard, Josh, he was very enamored with the the locker room vibe there down in New Orleans, and he is also very interested in taking over the reins at quarterback after Drew Brees is done. And I mean, it doesn't hurt when you're getting $7.25 million to sit on the bench and have uh, one of the best seats in the house. Uh, pretty much a seven, you're getting paid $7 million to have... New Orleans Saints so uh, definitely not a bad deal there for Teddy B we'll see what he's able to make of his situation down there in New Orleans and there's a couple of uh, depth signings on this uh, on the defense and at the kicker position as well uh, that I'll let you touch on 
Yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, they added defensive tackle Malcolm Brown from the Patriots. Three, three years, $15 million. It'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table. Uh, but they, they they lost Alex Okafor to the, the Kansas City Chiefs, as we touched on. So uh, they just needed to add another key defensive piece. Uh, another loss was Mark Ingram, running back. Went uh, He... He went to the Baltimore Ravens, and they just replaced him with Latavius Murray. Four years, $14.4 million for Murray. Yeah, so essentially for the same amount of money, they get an extra year of Latavius Murray there in New Orleans. I think this is a good signing, especially as we touched on in that New Orleans Saints offense. They're able to get the most out of their running backs. You don't have to do too much. You have to be good at They'll find out what. Uh, what you're good at, a few specific things, and most of the time when you're game, you when you are in the game, that is what you will be doing. And another interesting signing out of New Orleans. It seems as if for the next five years, at least, Will Lutz will be kicking the field goals um, in the Superdome uh, for the New Orleans Saints, resigning on a five-year deal. Uh, we have yet to hear the financials of it, but Ian Rappaport said that he uh, has agreed on resigning there in New Orleans. So long-term deal for a kicker, um, which will probably make him one of the highest-paid ones as well. Yeah, I think uh, Saints fans can once again expect a playoff berth for this team. Let's go to the New York Giants. Back to the Giants. Besides the two trades, we won't get back into that, uh, the the Giants also lost safety Landon Collins to a division rival, nonetheless, in Washington Redskins. Once again, poor awareness of your team's uh, state. David Gettleman looks as if he's uh, tearing this defense down now. And I figured with the trade of, of Olivia Vernon clearing $15.5 million in cap space, uh, I thought that the Giants would be able to sign Landon Collins. But I was wrong, and now the Giants have lost their two best defenders and are left with some major holes to fill on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, they definitely are, but I think they did their best in replacing and uh, in, in replace or in filling in that hole on the defense um, by getting Jabril Peppers in the trade we talked about earlier. They shore up this offensive line with Kevin Zeitler, and when you got Saquon Barkley back there, you want some big run blocking guys in front of him. They went out and got a guy like that. I can kind of see which direction they're trying to head in this year. It's still a little bit tough to tell. Um, another hole, obviously, on that offense uh, after the loss of Odell Beckham Jr. was filled with a signing of Golden Tate. Unexpected signing for me. I definitely didn't have the New York Giants as a destination for Golden Tate. Um, especially I, uh, there were rumors um, before he signed this contract that it was down to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots. Um, but Golden Tate then decided to sign a four-year deal uh, in New York worth $37.5 million with $23 million fully guaranteed. So my guess, Josh, is that the Steelers and the Patriots were nowhere near that number. Yep, that is uh, exactly what I'm thinking because the Giants are not going to be competing for a Super Bowl and Golden Tate knew that. And yeah, he just he secured the bag. More or less. And hey, uh, more props to you. $23 million is a lot more than I have ever made or hope to make. I uh, hope you spend it well. Have some fun, Golden Tate. Let's stay in New York, Jesse. Let's shift over to the Jets, though. Woo! The Jets made some moves. And they added weapons on the offense. They added weapons on the defense. And they spent a lot of cash, a league-leading $201 million total so far 
Let's fly through most of these so we can focus on the two big signings that make up most of this $201 million, though. Uh, they added wide receiver Jamison Crowder, who I really liked as a, as a signing from the Washington Redskins. Three years, $28.5 million. They also added wide receiver Josh Bellamy from the Chicago Bears at two years, $5 million. So simply, they got a couple of weapons around Sam Darnold. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, Henry Anderson resigned. Anderson is now on a three-year, $25.2 million contract. And they also made a really nice replacement for Buster Screen. This was a really nice signing in cornerback Brian Poole from Atlanta. Uh, Brian Poole will essentially just assume the responsibilities that uh, Buster Screen left behind. Definitely. And obviously the biggest one is C.J. Mosley departing from the Baltimore Ravens. And this right here is why. Um, he is no longer in a Ravens uniform. He signed to a five-year, $85 million deal with $51 million. That is just outlandish for an off-the-ball linebacker. Good for you, C.J. Mosley. Way to go and get that money. Well-deserved. Well-deserved, definitely. And now this New York Jets defense with Greg Williams at the helm is looking a little bit scary going into next year. Yeah, uh, I want to break down this contract really quickly for C.J. Mosley. This contract is essentially three years, $51 million fully guaranteed, okay? The Jets have an out following the 2021 season, and a lot may say he's being overpaid, but but listen, in this league, in this day and age, a guy of C.J. Mosley's caliber, uh, who can run sideline to sideline, who can stuff the run, who can cover the pass, he's priceless, okay? Every team needs a CJ Mosley nowadays okay and this is exactly why you are seeing a guy like Devin White out of LSU so high up on draft boards okay because he brings something that is so essential to in the middle of defenses nowadays okay that versatility so that freakish speed uh is is really what has uh, helped CJ Mosley get this bag uh Le'Veon Bell we cannot forget about Bell you, you almost did after a year, not in the NFL. But yeah, Le'Veon Bell, uh, after he finally hit free agency, went and got the contract. I don't know if it was the one he envisioned when he went um, through all these troubles, but he ended up linking up with the New York Jets, signing a four-year contract worth $52.5 million. That includes $25 million fully guaranteed. Uh, do you think this is a win for Le'Veon Bell, or do you think uh, he thought he was going to garner more on the open market? Now, what I wanted to touch on was a question that a lot of people asked. Why would he go to New York? He he was offered more in Pittsburgh. This is true, but this goes can back... I, can I interject? Sure. Talking numbers here, Josh. How many people asked you that question? Well, this is a question that I've seen on social media asked a lot, and I've only been <laughs> asked by a couple of my friends, so... Maybe not people have asked me personally, but this is a question that I've seen asked a lot. Okay. Now, getting back to my rant that I was about to go on here, this goes back to what I said earlier. Players want guaranteed money, okay? And, and, and many in the football world know that the Pittsburgh Steelers just simply do not do guaranteed money in their contracts, or a lot of it, I should say. So even though Le'Veon Bell could be making $16-plus a year in Pittsburgh right now, because New York offered more guaranteed money over a shorter time period, that is why this contract was more attractive to Le'Veon Bell. Okay, This was a very nicely structured contract for Bell. Uh, it actually complements the uh, time frame of Sam Darnold's rookie con- contract. Okay, the, the 
Jets have an out in this contract after two years, and uh, they can they can fully this contract will be fully off the books for them uh, by the time Sam Darnold is ready to get his new uh, big time deal done. Yeah, this is. Uh... An offensive weapon was a huge, huge, huge position of need for these New York Jets. And for what they got Le'Veon Bell for, I think this is a great signing. Another one I wanted to touch on before we move on um, was the trade they made with the team we're actually going to talk about next, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, They traded a sixth-round pick uh, in exchange for a fifth-round pick, and they got uh, offensive guard Kelechi Osemele, who signed a huge contract a couple years ago after coming uh, going to the Raiders from the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is... um, a cost-effective way to get a quality starting guard um, with the cap space they had, and he pairs well with Adam Gase's uh, stretch run, uh, st- a stretch run scheme that he instilled in Miami, and looks to do uh, do as well in New York. So I thought that was a, a, a kind of under the radar move that actually helped this team offensively quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the Oakland Raiders, I just wanted to touch on one last thing with Le'Veon Bell. I I really liked what the Jets did with the back half of his contract. Um, they added a th- in a three million dollar reporting bonus in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. So this three million dollars is going to be paid to him as long as he reports to training camp. Meaning it wouldn't be very beneficial for him to hold out like he did in Pittsburgh. So should he decide to hold out for a new contract, um, the Jets would basically have their bases covered. They can they can release him if they want without incurring a lot of dead cap. So that is. That was a really nice move by the Jets, a really smart move by the New York Jets. Let's move on to the Oakland Raiders, though. And I haven't heard the John Gruden haters in a little while. Jesse, where do you think they're hiding out at? They're waiting for one of these moves to fall apart uh, next season on tape. But I am just enamored with what he's been able to do um, in the span of uh, just over a year since he's became the head coach. Obviously added Mike Mayock um, as the general manager who's just going to give him so much insight in these drafts. Um, what, what, uh, what do you want to talk about first? Well, I wanted to talk about their additions. Okay, They added uh, wide receiver J.J. Nelson. They also added wide receiver Tyrell Williams. They also added left tackle Trenton Brown from the Patriots. So Derek Carr's blindside is going to be very well protected over the next few years. And they also added safety LaMarcus Joyner from the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, and I can't forget they traded for arguably the best wide receiver in football in Antonio Brown. Yeah, and what they had to give up to get him was just amazing that... Uh, no other team was able to put together this package. I think um, the restructuring of Antonio Brown's contract is what held a lot of people out of the Antonio Brown sweepstakes. So essentially this trade was Antonio Brown for a a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick this year. Um, But what Brown really wanted was a team team that would trade for him um, to restructure his contract. So once he got to Oakland, he re-signed for three years, uh, $50 million with Thirty million dollars guaranteed. So Antonio Brown's happy. He has his guaranteed money and a new home in Oakland. Yeah, and the, for the Raiders and more specifically Derek Carr, he has a number one wide receiver again after the p- departure of Amari Mar- Cooper. Um, for AB and Pittsburgh, they just really needed uh, out of each other's lives. And many think the Pittsburgh Steelers essentially gave AB away. I mean, only getting a third and a fifth round pick. But listen, the Raiders might have been the best offer for uh, the the Steelers and getting A.B. 
I heard that the Pats offered higher draft picks, but the Steelers just didn't really want to help out the Patriots, it sounded like. The thought of Tom Brady and A.B. together almost makes me want to gag. And I think that A.B. is now in an offense where he is, again, clearly the number one option, but now he has also help in Tyrell Williams on, on the other side of the field. And one last thing is with all of these picks or with all of these additions that the Raiders have made, they still have four picks inside the top 35 of this year's draft, including three in the first round. Yeah, just a masterful management of assets and accumulation of those assets as well. They got better uh, before we even hit the draft, Josh. They have gotten better without a doubt on both sides of the football. And that is... Uh, like you said, still uh, yet to we have yet to see their four picks in the top 35. So this has just been a masterful execution by Mike Mayock, uh, John Gruden, and that entire Raiders front office. Yeah, we talk about John Gruden a lot, uh, me and you, and uh, we both have liked Gruden's him. been grinding. He has been grinding, absolutely. Uh, let's go to the city of brotherly love. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles saw a lot of big names depart, but... I think the best news for Philadelphia coming out of this week was that cornerback Ronald Darby uh, is returning for another season. It's a one-year show-your-worth deal, $8.5 million. Uh, we'll see, he'll definitely hope to have a nice year following a torn ACL in 2018. And then he's going to hit the free agent market next year at 26 years old and hope to cash in. Yeah, the cornerback market, uh, free agent-wise, has been very barren the last couple of years. So he, uh, after another good year um, in this Jim Swartz defense, looks to make a lot of money hitting free agency next year. Um, Another great um, re-signing by these Philadelphia Eagles is that of Brandon Graham signing a three-year contract extension worth $40 million. I love Brandon Graham as a player and what he brings to the table. But a a huge key of the Philadelphia Eagles' success these past couple years has been a steady rotation of defensive linemen, keeping them fresh. So investing $40 million in one of these rotation uh, rotation pieces kind of strikes me as, uh, it kind of looks as if they're kind of going in a different direction uh, with that defensive line. Yeah, and the Philadelphia Eagles as a whole is kind of up in the air for me because I'm not really sure what exactly this team is now that they've lost some of their depth pieces. I I don't necessarily think that they're looking for an identity, but I think that I don't really know where they're, which way they're going to head uh, this year. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs this year, especially that's, it's a big year for Carson Wentz, you know, and he doesn't have Nick Foles now. <laughs> so Definitely. let's uh, move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just before we move on, Josh, um, my bad. Uh, one person I forgot to touch on, who I thought was a great signing for this Philadelphia Eagle, uh, for this Philadelphia Eagles defense, is former Jaguars and Broncos defensive tackle Malik Jackson, ah, yes. who was someone I know uh, Jacksonville probably wanted to retain, but to go out and get their quarterback, he had to release. So he was a casualty of the cap and not of his poor play, and he agreed to a three-year deal worth thirty million. So getting Malik Jackson at ten million dollars a year, I think, is going to prove to be one of the biggest steals this offseason. Yeah, Timmy Jernigan is not going to be back in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform, um, so that was a big signing for them to replace him. Uh, let's go on to Pittsburgh. For all the media coverage surrounding the Steelers uh, this week, Jesse, they really didn't do much. They they added a number two corner back beside uh, Joe Hayden. Steven Nelson out of Kansas City signed a three-year, $25 million contract. But the important thing financially to note for the Steelers is their dead cap heading into 2019. They have over $23 million in dead cap in 2019. More than $21 million of that belongs to Antonio Brown. 
And at the end of the day, they are soaking a huge L financially, but they really just needed to end the Antonio Brown era. Definitely. It seems as if the this Le'Veon Bell-Antonio Brown drama is just... Uh, has sparked an end of an era in Pittsburgh. It doesn't seem like they're in Super Bowl contention anymore with Ben Roethlisberger. Even He's, playoff contention. Playoff contention is up in the air as well, especially with uh, these Cleveland Browns in the AFC North looking like world beaters. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to a more exciting team. The let's San- go out west, baby. The San Francisco 49ers. John Lynch did a great job this week adding uh, the necessary pieces to vault this team into playoff contention. Uh, they added cornerback Jason Verrett from the Chargers. And and listen, a lot of people don't know uh, about Jason Verrett because this guy's been injured a lot. But he has the potential to be one of the better corners in the NFL. This guy's a great athlete. Um, they also re-signed Jimmy Ward, who has been one of their more stable pieces uh, in recent years. And like C.J. Mosley, another guy got a big, another guy who got a big time payday was inside linebacker Quan Alexander, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Four years, fifty-four million dollars. That was a great signing for this defense. Yeah, I think an even bigger acquisition for this 49ers defense is just a position that they have just missed on in the draft and and have struggled to find anybody uh and and any NFL quality starter that that uh, this position that is an edge rusher. So they went out and traded for D4. They gave up their second round pick this year. Uh they weren't that good. So that's a pretty high second round pick, but you get a proven commodity in D4. And he just signed a new five-year, $87.5 million contract with the 49ers. So they have an edge rusher for the next five years, presumably, Josh. And this is someone who they have not been able to find in the draft. So they got to go and give up some assets to get him. Yeah, and get a load of this Niners front seven now. Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, D. Ford, Malcolm Smith, and Quan Alexander make up that front seven. That is... Very good on paper, and offensive line coaches and offensive coordinators are probably going to be losing sleep thinking about how they're going to block this this front seven. Um, I just wanted to quickly touch on their offense. Running back Tevin Coleman got signed, Jesse, and, and I'm kind of still scratching my head at this one because the Niners signed Jarek McKinnon, McKinnon in free agency last offseason, and then he got hurt before he even really got to play any, a meaningful down in a Niners uniform. Then Matt Breida emerged as a possible workhorse running back in this league. And now they go and sign Tevin Coleman. So Matt Breida is a pretty versatile running back who can run in between the tackles. Uh, Jarek McKinnon is primarily more of a pass-catching back. Tevin Coleman is kind of a hybrid between the two of these. But do you have any, any idea what direction they are going with this signing? Well, I mean, this is a former Kyle Shanahan guy, and I think when he went out and got Jarek McKinnon, this is probably uh, who he had in mind of who he wanted to replicate in this offense. And as soon as he became available, I think two years, $10 million for someone like this. Uh, I think it's a good signing, seeing as obviously McKinnon missed all of last year with a torn ACL, and Breida had trouble staying on the field as well. So I think in a Kyle Shanahan offense, I think... Um, three running backs, maybe how he wants to move forward, or we might also see Jarek McKinnon on the trading block. But I think Breida and Coleman are there to stay. Yeah, obviously. I think that the Niners definitely have to uh, test the trade market for uh, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, I know that they would not 
incur a lot of dead cap should they decide to cut him. So I think that that is something that they could do is cut him before he even has a chance to play a single meaningful meaningful down of football in a Niners uniform. Uh, let's go on to the Seattle Seahawks, who have been very quiet this week, simply making some under-the-radar signings. Um, they lost Earl Thomas, as expected. They also lost Justin Coleman to the Detroit Lions. The biggest signing I think that they made, Jesse, this week was kicker Jason Myers out from the New York Jets. Four years, $50.5 million, nice little payday for the kicker, and Seattle has a little bit of stability at that position now. Yeah, well, seeing as uh, Ste- Sebastian Janikowski last year kind of kicked his way into retirement when he pulled his hammy on that 60-something yarder. I mean, that'll that'll probably go down as the last play in his career. He literally (laughs) kicked himself out of the NFL. Yeah, that that was, uh, he was doing what Sebastian Janikowski is known for and kicking a very long field goal. Yeah. Another interesting signing is Mike Iupati, um, offensive guard. He has now played for three of the four teams in the NFC West, and it's only a one-year contract, Josh, so I'm hoping as soon as this year's over, he makes it four, and, uh, you know, he's just he could be a, a, a one-division journeyman. But other than that, that's pretty much all I wanted to uh, cover for the Seattle Seahawks. So let's move down to beautiful Tampa Bay, and let's get right into the Buccaneers. Yeah, Tampa Bay, as we've noticed before, is... As we've noted before, I should say, uh, they are entering a pretty serious year uh, as far as Jameis Winston is concerned, his fifth year option. And they made a couple of, well, they made an interesting trade in trading Deshaun Jackson away to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, with the loss of Deshaun Jackson uh, with the trade uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles, um, they went out and tried. Uh, replaced him with another speed receiver, Brashad Perriman, formerly of the Cleveland Browns. This is a guy with just amazing top-end speed and someone who I think could be a candidate for a breakout year under in a Bruce Arians offense, uh, kind of like that of John Brown and J.J. Nelson. Um, with a very vertical passing game, it seems as if that third uh, receiver in the Bruce Arians offense who has that tr- elite track speed yeah. is always due for a breakout year. So someone to watch if you're into fantasy or just watch if you're into uh, watching someone reinvent themselves in the NFL. Yeah, one thing about Brashad Perriman, too, that was funny was that he was actually supposed to sign with the Cleveland Browns, but then the Browns went out and made that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. trade, and Brashad Perryman went immediately and said, I want out of this deal because well, he doesn't really have a role in that offense anymore. And Bruce Arians was able to bring back uh, Dayon Buchanan as well, Uh, on a one-year deal, the team announced. Well, Josh, unfortunately, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not had a very exciting offseason, so let's move on to a team with a lot more intrigue in all of their deals this offseason, move a little bit further north to the to Tennessee. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I like what the Titans did in free agency. Some really solid signings across the board. They started with wide receiver Adam Humphreys from Tampa Bay. Uh, We talked about the Titans needing to get Marcus Mariota some weapons, and I really like this Humphreys signing because uh, he's proved to have some reliable hands when it matters most. Four years, $36 million. That was a really nice signing for them. Uh, Also complimenting Corey Davis and that backfield uh, with Derrick Henry and Dion Lewis. Uh, another one they added to their very good offensive line uh, from 2018. They've added now guard Roger uh, Saffold. From- I, I really like this deal, Josh. Like you said, this is a, um, 
we, me and you uh, in our outlooks had Roger Saffel going to kind of shore up a really bad offensive line. I didn't yeah. expect a team to look at their offensive line and say, let's take this good offensive line to the next level. Yeah. And that's what the Tennessee Titans did in signing Roger Saffel. I really like uh, not only this signing, but almost all the moves they've made this offseason. They have a clear plan there in Tennessee. They're executing it at just a rapid pace and... The future's looking bright. Yeah, four years, $44 million for Saffold, and absolutely, he takes this offensive line from good to great. Uh, they should be a top-five line in 2019. They also re-signed Kenny Vaccaro, who was a part of a loaded safety market this year, and he officially found a home in Tennessee after uh, extending his one-year deal that he originally signed last offseason. A nice payday for the 28-year-old, four years, $26 million. I think that's a steal of a deal for what they have in Kenny Vaccaro. Obviously melded well with what they do defensively there, and he's going to look to flourish in that system for the next four years. Yeah, and okay, this is... I want to move on to Cameron Wake because I really loved this uh, sign-in. They, they've lost Derek Morgan... So now they needed a replacement for him. Defensive end Cameron Wake, 37 years old, still getting it done at a high level. This guy signed a three-year, $23 million. That is what it is on paper. But the Titans structured this so that they can uh, essentially take it year by year with Wake and decide on if he wants to retire following this season, uh, they would be okay with that financially. Uh, one year, seven and a quarter million dollar deal is essentially what this is. And if he comes back in 2020, uh, he'll have another $3 million guaranteed. Yeah. Tennessee Titans and aging Ed Rushers, Josh. Name a more iconic duo. Yeah. they. Uh, yeah. And they have Harold Landry there now, which is really nice. So Cameron Wake's going to be a really nice mentor for Harold Landry. Now let's move on to one of the more intriguing trades uh, of this offseason. Ryan Tannehill is now headed to Tennessee. The former Miami Dolphins quarterback was traded along with a 2019 six-round pick in exchange for a 2019 seventh and a 2020 fourth-round pick. So in exchange of some late-round picks, um, as Ian Rappaport reported this week, and Tannehill has signed a new one-year contract with $7 million sorry, fully guaranteed uh, with up to $12 million in playing incentives. So this, uh, I think if he was there last year, this team could have cracked the playoffs, to be honest. Yeah, I was just about to touch on that. You you said that when we were doing their outlooks, is that if the, the Titans had a more capable backup than Blaine Gabbert last year, they, they possibly could have been in the playoffs. And I really like this signing just because this is not only a capable backup, but this is a guy who has been an NFL starter for years and Marcus Mariota entering a very crucial year in his career, uh, hoping to get a contract next season. He's now got a little bit of fire lit underneath his backside there. So we'll see. He's going to have a little bit of competition in training camp now. Yeah. With their quarterback situation up in the air, like you said, they weren't uh, able to go out and get a quarterback of the future. So what do they do? They go and get two kind of C-grade starters, NFL-quality starters, put them both uh, put them both on this roster and kind of see what they're able to do with these two guys over the next season. And if it doesn't work out, I'm sure they're going to look to the draft and, and try and go get their next guy. One little thing to note about Ryan Tannehill, too, is that although he's a pocket passer, Ryan Tannehill 
isn't necessarily that far off from Marcus Mario. No, he was a former wide receiver at Texas A&M. That's kind of why the Miami Dolphins gave him so much time to kind of prove himself is because he transferred over to the quarterback position so uh, so late in his career. Yeah, so if the Titans ever do need Tannehill to come in due to injury, they're not going to have to really retool this offense necessarily for him, which is nice. Definitely not. That's why I thought Tyrod Taylor would have been a good signing for these Tennessee Titans, but I honestly like this move a lot better. Let's move on to the Washington Redskins, Jesse. This is our last team of the free agency recap episode. They added Adrian Peterson, which I really like. Two years, $5 million. This is essentially a one-year deal with an actual designated club option in 2020. Yeah, this looks to be uh, Adrian Peterson's final resting place in the NFL. I'm sure he'll go out as a Viking, sign a one-day contract, but uh, this seems to be the city uh, where he'll play his last meaningful downs as an NFL running back, and it'll be interesting to see the dynamic, or hear both the dynamic in that locker room with him and Darius Geis, who I know is an absolute competitor and gamer himself, and I'm sure will take uh, and absorb as much information as Adrian Peterson as possible over these next coming seasons. Yeah, so they got a nice uh, running back tandem in the backfield now. Uh, They got a new quarterback in Case Keenum. And they also were able to salvage some of the losses that they had on the defensive side uh, from like press guys like Preston Smith. And they were able to sign safety Landon Collins to a six-year deal worth $84 million and $45 million in guarantee. Yeah, and one surprising signing for these Washington Redskins. I don't know what it is about the Washington Redskins organization that would make a player want to come out of retirement. But whatever it is, uh, it was good enough for Dominique rogers Cromartie, who retired last year. He has now come out of retirement to sign with Washington uh, Washington, uh, uh, per Ian Rappaport. Yeah, we'll see what kind of tandem that he and Josh Norman make uh, in 2019. And one other thing, the the reason why I actually kind of liked this Landon Collins to the Redskins move for the Redskins was if there's one player right now in the NFL that reminds me of the late Sean Taylor, it is Landon Collins. Yeah, that is, that is, I definitely agree with that comparison. Landon Collins has came out and, and stated that he, uh, he being Sean Taylor, uh, was an inspiration for him growing up. And uh, I saw on Twitter the other day, Josh, it was actually a very heartwarming moment, but Redskins owner Dan Snyder gave Landon Collings a signed uh, Sean Taylor jersey um, on, on at his signing uh, his press conference uh, for signing the new contract. So I thought that was a, a very classy move by the Redskins owner. Yeah, if that doesn't welcome someone to uh, a new home, I don't know what does. Jesse, before we wrap things well, up here... Well, you know what else does is probably the $45 million guaranteed <laughs> he got for the signing. But other than that, yes, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, he's well off financially now, for sure. Uh, before we wrap things up here, Jesse, on the day of recording, it is now uh, the third day of the new league year. Through these first three days... Give me your biggest winner and your biggest loser. Biggest winner and biggest loser are kind of tied together, seeing as they have made some pretty monumental trades together. The biggest winner, that would, for me, be the Cleveland Browns. You add, arguably, a top three receiver. You shore up your defensive line. All of your off-season free agent acquisitions make sense. Good players, big names, proven this team has just gotten better and they've vaulted into Super Bowl contention uh, in some circles in the NFL. And the biggest loser, obviously, is the 
that of the New York football giants. I think there's they just lack a lot of direction in the moves they made, and there's not a lot of sense to be made of it right now, so we're going to have to wait and see with them. But right now, it's not looking too pretty. Yeah, besides my Packers, uh, my winner would have to be the, the Cleveland Browns, who are definitely threats, as you said, to make a deep postseason run this year now. And uh, also... I agree that the New York Giants were the biggest losers. They have taken essentially a step backwards in 2019. Yeah, definitely. And a close second would be the Oakland Raiders. I think what John Gruden and Mike Mayock have done over there is nothing short of spectacular, seeing as we're still waiting on the players there they can grab in the draft, no less. Yeah, we'll see uh, what these rosters and these depth charts look like uh, as we actually get ready for kickoff 2019. All right, Jesse, well, we made it. Uh, again, that was a jam-packed episode. It's been jam-packed week, and it's only going to keep going uh, as the off-season continues. Uh, as we keep going through March here, we'll keep you guys updated with uh, the free agency as there's still a lot of good players available, and we'll also continue with the outlooks. Then, as we head into April, we're really going to start focusing more on the draft, bringing some guests, and, and discuss the future stars of the NFL. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, if your podcast streaming service allows for ratings or comments, we appreciate the feedback. Otherwise, for Jesse Cornega, I am Josh Frysam. Thank you for tuning in to the Outsiders NFL podcast. We'll see you next time.